Welcome back to the Digital Dialogue, everybody. My name is Josh, and today we have something really special for you. We have an ad industry veteran on both the, the publisher and ad tech side. Bob Regular with Infolinks, currently the CEO over there, is joining us today. Bob, to kick us off, would you mind sharing just a little bit about yourself and, and your history in the industry? Sure. Um, so I've been in ad tech and digital advertising media for 23 years. It's uh, really frightening to say that out loud. It sounds almost uh, impossible, um, but I've been involved in it pretty meaningfully since the very beginning. And um, I, I built multiple SSPs, some DSP type products, you know, been involved in exchanges, and I've also been a publisher and still actually, frankly, I'm a publisher. So I've, I've, I've been in all parts of the universe of ad tech, MarTech, and love it. I think digital has been an incredible journey. I love it so much fun. Uh, love the people in it, the change, the evolution of it. Um, you know, you can't get bored. So uh, today I'm, I'm owner and CEO of a, a wonderful company called Infolinks, uh, which I did not found. I actually acquired it uh, three years ago from uh, a wonderful person who had put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into building it. And, um, you know, I, I acquired it because I saw, you know, a tremendous asset that could be really built and grown. And, you know, I could put a lot of love and care into it and, and, and build my next, uh, my next company that would be a lot of fun. So, uh, so that's what I'm doing today. That's excellent. And we kind of talked about this before we press the record button here, but 23 years in the industry is, is, is a lifetime realistically, especially how fast the industry moves. So could, could you take me back maybe to the, to the beginning? What, what I think got your start in the industry again, you, you had your, your experience as a publisher and now the CEO of Infolinks, but what really got your foot in the door? So even to rewind a little further without boring you, so I'll go fast, is, uh, you know, I, I started after I jumped out of college from Penn State in 1995 uh, into television as a producer director for uh, CBS for Clear Channel Communications. And I did that for three years. And while I was there, um, you know, I loved that job. I had a great time making documentaries and, and doing newscasts and stuff like that. I loved the content. I loved the basically being a publisher. I love content creation. Right. Um, and so I convinced the, the TV station at the time, would they be willing to let me build their website? And they didn't have a website. Nobody had a website. None of the TV stations had websites. They didn't believe in websites. They didn't think that it mattered. And they said, sure, if you want to do something like that, have at it as long as you're doing it on your own time, your own dime. We don't care. So I built them their first website, and, and then I sort of figured out this old legacy AS400 uh, content system, how to take the content out of the, web, uh, out of the uh, newsroom and publish it to the website. And then I figured out how do you move streaming video to the website. And since I was in charge of promotions, I, I could instruct the anchors of the newscast to promote the website and create TV commercials to promote the website. So I created this whole you know, ecosystem in 1995-96 around building a website for a local TV station network. And I had a great time. It was fantastic. You know, I was doing design, I was writing content, I was writing code, I, I, was, I was having a great time. And so I basically learned to become a web developer. And I thought, you know what, this is probably a career. So I left, I created a web development company. And then I went on a spree of building websites and e-commerce sites for TV stations, as well as folks that sell product. 
And that ultimately got sold in the late 90s. And then I, I, it got sold by, to a large corporation of which I went into. I did not last long. Um, uh, it was 4,000 employees and I felt miserable. And you know, I had to look up a directory to find somebody to call in the organization. I realized it, this didn't fit for me. So I left again and I started with a new business um, that was going to put ads on websites because I thought that could be a next big thing. So that was my first ad network that was basically in 1998 uh, called Conducent. And we just went down the journey of putting ads on applications and on websites. And back then you would literally, you know, give them a banner, send it by email, right? With a click through. Right. Uh, there was no JavaScript dynamic ad server technology in the mid nineties. And that eventually came. So anyway, to accelerate quickly, we built an ad network. The dot-com crash came. We all got in the fetal position and hugged under our desks right. for a long period of time. Our investors at the time actually said to us, uh, we don't believe advertising on the internet is going to be a thing in the end. We would like our money back. Um, it was really a belief that this was a fad and it's, it's going to go away. So I, I, I blended that company into another ad network, which both of us were struggling at the time. And, and um, we let go a lot of team members. We shrunk the company. Uh, at the time, it was called Iridian. And we shrunk the company. And I bought a futon. And we moved into a two-bedroom apartment in Manhattan and started to rebuild. And we rebuilt that company to you know, a multi-million dollar um, ad network, essentially, that did display and video. And during that journey, you know, I had a lot of amazing experiences. You know, when Google had uh, just started, they decided they wanted to get into banners before they got into DoubleClick, and they wanted to figure out how do we do banners. Mm -hmm. So they actually came to us because we were a pretty large uh, display network at the time and said, you know, if we gave you banner code with search results in them, could you run them across your network and we could experiment with what does um, those ads look like in banner units? Does it work? Right. We worked with Google for six months pre-DoubleClick acquisition, pre, you know, so you go back to those times, right? We were the first advertiser network on MySpace, which today is almost forgotten, right? right. And, you know, I, I had the opportunity to speak with, with, with Zuckerberg and a couple of those folks back in the first year while they were still in the dorm room saying, can we put banner ads on Facebook? And then saying, you know, only if it's got Mercedes or Nike and only then, and me literally saying to them, which in retrospect looks insane, but me saying to them, who are you to deserve Nike and, and <laughs> ads? Right. You know, we're going to end up putting punch the monkey ads on you because you guys are nothing yet. We have yeah. to build you up. Right. And then saying it's not good enough and dismissing us. So, you know, I've had all these kind of crazy journeys along the way. And ultimately, the businesses get sold uh, uh, along the way. And we did, you know, we entered into programmatic with Right Media. I was the first seat holder working with uh, Mike Walworth and, and Brian O'Kelly at the time when they launched Right Media to do programmatic for the first time. So the first RTB and the first okay. programmatic. Um, and then, you know, I, I started, I, I left these conglomerations of companies that were VC funded and, and, you know, we had raised money and I started my own in 2007 called Katera Media. And that was essentially a programmatic display, what I'd call a network, which is a bad term today. But ultimately I, as an old timer in this and all the other old timers in this that have been around, we consider basically everything ad networks, right? right. You, you network things together, they're ad networks, demand, supply, what have you. 
Um, and I started Katera and I thought, what a great compliment if I could be a publisher as well. So I acquired a industry publication called Adotus at the time, which was basically a trade magazine for um, ad tech. And I started banging out articles. I was having a great time because I you know, was an expert in space. I knew the space really well. I was in love with it. And I was writing two, three articles, you know, a day and, 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 and sort of seeing what drives traffic and what, what ultimately drives engagement and, and, and what makes this work. So while I was building the network and, and working with publishers and advertisers and stringing together the programmatic ecosystem, I was also writing and building pages and what have you uh, around Adotus. So learning that side of it, I realized publishing is very hard, and <laughs> very hard. And I built a great appreciation and empathy for publishing and what it means. And, and it helped me a lot in what, how do you build um, an SSP ultimately that works for publishers and helps publishers achieve what they need to achieve. Um, so I can talk to publishers and relate and understand their needs. Right. And, you know, over that time, um, Katera, I, I transformed into a public company. I did some acquisitions, M and A's. We changed the name to Propel Media, um, still a public entity. I left uh, a little over three years ago and, you know, the company had grown a lot and I realized, to be honest with you, I really didn't like really large companies. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't a good fit for my personality. I really, for, frankly, appreciate smaller, more uh, agile, familial companies, right? Yeah where you feel you got a one-to-one -one relationship with the people that are touching things and moving things and changing things. And I, I really enjoyed that period uh, of Katera. And so I decided I wanted to go back. So I was looking for a company to acquire that I could do that again. Uh, so I spent a year looking. I found Infolinks, which fit the bill, right? And I acquired Infolinks uh, three years ago, and it's been awesome ever since. Um, you know, I, I realized I needed something special. You know, I needed something distinct because our, our industry, whether it's publishing or, or ad tech, right, or advertiser side, um, struggles to have anything special. Everybody is commodified or, you know, replicating each other, right, to get ahead. Right. So with Infolinks, I decided to take the opposite approach, frankly, of my 20 years of history, which was to do the hardest thing I could see. What was something that was going to be so difficult that nobody else wants to bother to do it because it's just too painful? And, and that was, uh, you know, building ad units that are distinct and unique and exclusive to us and convincing publishers to put them on their site and only allow us to put them there and auction them. Right. And in an ecosystem, right, where every unit is, is programmatic and every unit is equal and it's a democracy of exchange, right? And, and basically, that's another wonderful explanation of commodity, right? Everything's commodified. Every request is commodified. I wanted to essentially create the penthouse in every building, right? I wanted to have the penthouse location in every building. And, and for that, you know, we go to publishers and we, we ask them to put our units on their sites uh, that are distinct and only we can auction them. And this allows me to go to advertisers and create a distinct uh, exclusive unit right? Exclusive placement across many, many tens of thousands of sites. Right. And, and I felt that's the only way, right, to stand out, create, create special value of viewability and special location 
and, and, and it doesn't have to be the biggest. In fact, I don't like, I don't want to be the biggest, right? Right. I, I want to have this distinct, special boutique, right? Exclusive location, right? And, you know, the other SSPs will do a great job at being the biggest, right? right? And, and so that's, that's, that's the InfoLink story in, in a nutshell. And we work with all the traditional demand providers and advertisers and agencies and DSPs and SSPs, and it's, it's, it's normal that way. But what we provide them is, is the best results possible that allow them to say, okay, well, you know what? I definitely want some of that. Right. Now, with, with your experience with Adotus, and then, of course, InfoLinks being uh, another acquisition that you've been through before, what you, you say fit the bill, but what, what really kind of lined up with you is this is, this is wanted to be your, your next venture. You, you had the experience with the publisher side, and this makes sense, especially if you spent a year looking. So a few, a few things checked the box for me. One was that um, it was only direct relationships with publishers. So ad, ad tech in general or networks in general have had a history, SSPs have had a history of direct aggregators. And aggregators, a lot of arbitrage. <laughs> a lot of arbitrage. Um, but also, you know, a lot of, multi, because it takes a lot of labor, right, to build a direct relationship. It's a lot of labor. And so to have a lot of direct relationships means you have to have a lot of people, right, to facilitate that. And so what I really like that InfoLinks had spent the better part of 10 years doing is building a lot of direct relationships where there's code on page with the publisher. It is distinct code on page. It is one-to-one. -one. There's no aggregation primarily, one to the publisher to InfoLinks. And that takes a lot of pain and suffering to build. And you'll, you will see most SSPs don't want to go through that, right? And so we've done that. Everything is direct, or if it's with any form of aggregation, it's with someone who manages the site, right? Because obviously there's a lot of pub management companies right. that manage the role of the site, and the site doesn't want to personally deal with it anymore. And so we're happy to work with those uh, pub management companies as well. But what we, what we don't do, and the reason I bought the company is the company didn't do that, is there's no working through intermediaries, just rebrokering, rebuying, arbitraging, you know, essentially getting something that they don't have control of. Right. So that was, that was one very important thing. The other important thing was I wanted my own platform. I didn't want to rent a platform. I didn't want to buy a platform in terms of like a white label of a platform. Um, I didn't want to go to a platform builder and start from scratch. Uh, I wanted a pre-existing platform that was versatile, that would allow me to create and invent new ad units of the future, would allow me to leverage the code on page to understand the activity of the, of the audience. Right. Um, because one thing that I've seen in the 23 years is what's important to the advertiser and the needs of advertisers shift with time, right? right? And we see that going on right now with identity, right? And, and cookie. And, and there's lots of, you know, I've seen when contextual was the biggest thing ever, right? The most amazing technology ever was contextual. And then contextual is worthless. It's got to be third-party data audiences. Okay, well, okay, fair enough. Now we're going back to contextual and email identity. And right. so things wait. But the consistent thing you need is visibility into the site and to the audience so that you can shift and adjust. Right. right. And if you're just a transactional intermediary without any visibility or control, it's very hard to shift. Right. So that gave us the platform gives us that ability. 
Um, because InfoLinks was frankly founded on the in-text concept, which was a popular ad unit at the time. It's not so popular anymore. Um, and that idea was the ability to read the page, understand the text on the page, what's the semantic meaning of that text, and provide that context keyword upstream to the advertiser. We still right. do all of that, right? That's coming back in fashion. It was wildly out of fashion, right, for the last seven, eight years. Um, and then prior, when InfoLink started, that was the coolest thing ever. Right. So it's interesting to see how things come and they go. Um, and then the other, you know, important thing for me was a team. You know, the team that I could build on that was solid. The team here was, you know, they're rock stars. They were really, really good at what they do in need of a direction, right? And, and that's not to put any negativity on the previous group, but ad tech has shifted dramatically over the last 10, 13 years, obviously, and, and, and that technology needed to be directed in a direction that was going where the market was going. And at the time that I bought it was ads.text, it was sellers.json, it was RTB or header bidding connectivity. You know, it, it was different than traditional direct sales with an IO, right? It's different. So the company hadn't evolved to deal with that. And, and that's one of the things that we did immediately with this team was say, all right, we have to embrace programmatic. We need to embrace header bidding. We need to embrace these things, right? And, and understand how they work with us. Right. So, um, so the team was great and they were positive. You know, it's nothing better than a team that wants to win, you know, a team that really is excited. And for me, you know, my previous company, I don't know, was somewhere between 250, 300 people. You know, it, it, it's hard to touch everybody and relate to everybody, right? And connect with everybody when you get to that size. So you end up dealing with management teams and you're in meetings all the time and you're in committees and, you know, you're talking about HR a lot of the time and it's all important stuff. Right. Or the public accounting audit is happening. So let's review the data for weeks on end. You know, all very important things, but my excitement is being one-on-one -on -one with the team, working with the product, building the solutions, you know, seeing that I touch something, make something, or we make something happen, seeing the response to that fairly quickly. So you know, a smaller team really works for me. So I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for breaking that down. So I want to touch on that second piece you talked about. And I think the direct relationships as an SSP is, is extremely important. I mean, that's what we look for too. And we're partnering right. up with somebody. So right. just general thoughts with you being in the industry for so long and having the experience and having the knowledge when or if do you, do you even see intermediaries being part of this ecosystem at a certain point? Yeah, so there has been discussion for as long as I can remember, Josh, that intermediaries are going away. Right. <laughs> okay. Just to put a little, and he may not even remember this, but I had lunch in Manhattan with Frank Adante back in the very beginning before Rubicon had a name about his vision to create Rubicon because intermediaries, there were so many at the time, need to go away. And there should be really one central platform, right, that can manage a publisher's whole stack, right? And so I don't even remember what year that was, but as Frank and I discussed that, I remember saying to him, that's never going to happen. There's always going to be multiple intermediaries, right? Because the labor needed to manage the scale and the quantity of publishers' needs and the uniquenesses of those needs, right? Every publisher is not created equal, 
right? right? Every publisher is 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 a tapestry of personalities, right? And so I said to him, I, you know, I'm I'm not sure if I really fully buying in that there's going to be one core platform, right? SSP at the time, the terminology wasn't in existence, but one SSP that's going to manage. I said, I think there's going to be many, just like there were many ad networks that are going to cater. Maybe they'll, they'll be verticalized. Maybe they'll be around audience type. Maybe, I don't know what they will be, but that's probably, and of course, you know, Rubicon formed and went gangbusters, right? With the concept. Right. And then of course, Pubmatic. For example, we, we as Katera were the first customer of Pubmatic. You know, Rajiv, the CEO, shared with me not too long ago um, the, the first contract that Pubmatic did, which was with my company. And, you know, so going That's back. That's really cool. So it's like, you know, back and forth thinking about all these different uh, platforms attempting, right, to democratize the inventory. Right. And the reality is that while there has been compression, while there's, there's, there's fewer than there was in 2005, 2010, there is a critical mass where you need a certain number of intermediaries, right? To manage the multitude of personalities and needs of the publisher marketplace, right? And you have a company that does that. There are other pub management companies. There, there's platforms like us that don't manage the publishers, but provide a very distinct unit for publishers, right? And all of us are like razor focused on perfecting our particular portion, right? And the moment we all try to become generalists, you know, you know what happens every time, right? Mediocrity. Okay. And so the key in, in all of this is all of us trying to at least work together in a fluid way, right? That allows the publisher to earn as much as they can and to have as good of an experience as they can. Right. And so in my, in my estimation, there will always be intermediaries. Um, there will be as many or as few, depending on how well each intermediary manages the relationships portion, right, of the publisher side. And the pub management phenomenon, pub management company phenomenon, is really, frankly, a ref I never thought it would happen, to tell you the truth. I wish I could have said I could forecasted it. <laughs> I probably could have had the biggest pub management company, right? But I, I always thought the publisher would want to still hold the control, right, of what's happening. Right. I never, because I was a publisher and I was dealing with publishers and publishers were so intimately concerned about the control of their monetization. I never, ever thought that they would want to eject that and say, I trust you, company A, whatever it is, right, to handle it. Right. You know? And so that's a phenomenon I didn't predict, but I think that phenomenon's taken over in many respects because let's face it, this is hard. Right. What you do and what pub management companies do is really freaking hard because ad tech has gotten overly spaghetti complicated. Right. right? It's not as simple as put an ad on a page. And I think publishers mostly want to just create content. Right. Right. I mean, that's why they got into it. Exactly. Right, I you know I'm a like one as a publisher that owns Adotus and I've owned other publications in the past. You know when you do that, you just really want to create content and you want to do it well, and it's hard. And and trying to figure out what content to create that will attract audiences and make them stick is hard. So getting yeah. into is my eCPM on this ad unit on Mondays the best from this SSP? You know that's that's overly taxing, right? Right. So I can now understand the need for the pub management companies and I can see their rise, right? And I can also see it's a fantastic, I mean, if you think how 
brilliant Google is because Google has their moments of brilliance. Right. Uh, the fact that they can take that PL off the books and outsource that to other companies at a moderate margin to manage the pub base, right, is pretty smart. Yeah. Right. So I, I think all of that has gone really well. There will be intermediaries, there will be plenty of them. Um, but the commodification of the inventory and, and how the inventory is managed means that you will have to be really good at what you do and you will need to have amazing relationships managing the publishers in order for you to live, right? Right. And, and I think that's the future. It will keep going that way. I, I like what you said about the intermediaries. There could be as much or as little as them based on essentially what value they're bringing to the publishers because I think the, the, the different groups in the industry and the ecosystem right now have a pretty clear value prop. And if you are an intermediary and you don't do a good job communicating that, you're, you're probably going to fall off to the wayside. Right. No, so that's a, absolutely right. That's a and, really good point. And to be truthful, you know, again, you know, I've known Google before there was Google, right? Um, Google has a vested interest in the pub management companies being there. And that's important, right? They don't need and want to deal with it. Right. Right. Let's be honest, right? It's not fun work, right? So they don't want to be ad op specialists for publishers earning whatever dollars a day. Right. And so Google not wanting to kill you is a very good place to be. <laughs> um, very true. So, you know, that has to be mentioned once in a while, right? It's bringing value because Google wants it to bring value as well. Um, so, you know, I think they will, uh, intermediaries have a future. Yeah. Very cool. Well, so you, you really pulled on the, the publisher heartstrings. I think you, you touched on the complications of, of what I think a lot of publishers have to deal with on, on a daily basis. Even some of the larger ones too, that have a, let's say, let's just call it a programmatic team that's dealing with it. It's still complicated at the end of the day. Right. So if, if you could, try to distill down all the knowledge you have into a piece, maybe two pieces of advice for publishers navigating this industry right now. What would you share? Sure. So I see it as a David and Goliath most of the time for a publisher fight between commodification and value, creating true value. It's like this cliche of red ocean, blue ocean kind of thing. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is, the publisher is trying to earn maximum value, understandably, in order for them to exist. And advertisers and the advertising ecosystem, just in its essence, is trying to lower what it pays the publisher, right? And get more for less. It's just normal, everyday economics. It's not sinister. It's not a conspiracy, right? It's just, if you're a Procter & Gamble and you can buy the New York Times for less, you would like to, right? right? Okay. So you have this battle all the time, forever and more, and you always will have this battle, right? I want to give you less and I need to get more because the price of content is what it is. And so the fight, that fight that goes on is a hard one to resist to going into mass commodification of content, right? Which is, how many, how many stories of the same topic can you have and hope that Google News is gonna pick up yours? How many, right, celebrity stories, how many, you know, arbitraged content stories can you have, right? Right. And so 
there is a saturation point. And I think that the, that, that battle for publishers is you really, really have to pick which side of that reality you're going to be on and be really good at it. What I mean by that is if you're going to pump out 10,000 stories a month that are essentially clickbaity, eye candy, right, passive content, then fine, that, that has a place in the world. There's, as we know, there's plenty of consumers that want to consume that, right? Right. And do it well and be really good at acquiring traffic and, and, and exploiting what people want, which is just some entertainment for a moment, right? Be amazing at it. And if you want to be an amazing content producer, right, of, of depth and substantial significance with research and so on and so forth, then do it really, really well, right? Because you too will find your, your audience, right? Because you, you deserve it, right? right? Um, but this mediocrity of let's do both and not do them very well and then be confused why I don't have an audience, right? Yeah. I see that a lot, right? So what I, what I, what I, my two pearls of wisdom, or my first pearl of wisdom, if I, could, if I could call it that, is pick what you are. Bit cliche, but pick what you are. Yeah. Be really, really good at it, right? And and figure it out. Don't be mediocre because the ad tech systems, the advertisers, the traffic sources, the the aggregated news sources, everybody that sends traffic and everybody that buys traffic can sp smell mediocrity, and they will pay you mediocre value for it. Very good point. Yes. Okay. Period. So that's that. And then from an ad tech perspective, how do you monetize maximum levels? You know, the reality is that's a floating, ongoing, adjusting dynamic, right? You know, you yield manage your ad tech stack to the best of its ability, whether that's a pub management company or it's you doing it, leveraging your own data to its maximum capacity. I mean, you know, I can sound like a, a buzzword generator, right? It's not a problem. But ultimately, every ad impression you want to make as much money for, right? And, and hopefully you're either partnered with someone or you do it internally well, right? So there's, there's that. Um, but I think for a long time coming, what I've seen is, um, for, for the better part of 20 years, for example, if I looked at my publisher listed dashboard from my networks of 10, 15, 20 years ago, almost none of the publishers in each of those time periods that were of meaning are of meaning anymore. Okay. It's powerful. So, right. And so the shifting sands of who's important and popular at the time, right, really come and go quite a bit when you consider it. I mean, there's obviously some institutionals, right? Right. You got your New York Times and your US Today's and your Washington Post of the world, but let, let, let's subtract ourselves from them because there's an endemic audience there, right, independent of their digital. So, but everyone else is kind of, you know, kind of coming and going, you know, it's like a fight for, for attention, right? And so what I would say on that side is you have to build a value prop beyond, right, the, the school of fish of audiences coming and going, whether that's being really, really good at subscription because you're providing added value that someone's worthwhile giving you a few dollars a month for, you have to provide value maybe in um, knowledge sharing, whether that's white papers or things that people really need. Like, okay. I'll do respect to our industry and I love it desperately, but 
I really don't need another white paper from the ad tech industry telling me the things I've heard a hundred times before. <laughs> right. New graphs. Right. Okay. Yes, viewability is important. Yes, you do need ads.txt certification. Yes, you know, and more detail on the obvious is not value add, right? right? So that's an example in our space, right? Where you can get a lot of the same old retreaded stuff that's not really valuable, but they want to be paid for it. So I think all publishers that are in all different types of content verticals, like, are you really creating distinct information that's compelling, right? It's obvious, good content. Uh, so, you know, you got your subscriptions, you got your e-commerce needs, you know, you got your audience and your ad tech optimizations to, max, to maximize there. But the, the last point I'll put on that, that second advice is um, the main thing I see in the past 23 years killing publishers is the fact that they don't know how to operate lean. They learn later when it's either too late, almost too late, right, to operate lean. And yeah. I can't tell you how many publishers over the years I've talked to that have said after they had to make hard choices and get smart with resource costs, that have said, I can't believe how much we do with so much less now than before. Yeah. Right? And if you can start that way and stay that way and be conscientious about that way, you'll live through all the rest of it. Right. Be okay. You will be okay. But how many publishers have we seen in the last 10 years that built massive staffs with massive complexity, massive VC raises, they're gonna go dominate, they get tons of PR, so on and so forth, right? Everything came except the audience, right? Or everything came except the money value of the audiences. Right. And, and I think personally, it's just a personal opinion, you know, you need, you need to operate lean, humbly, and, 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 and intelligently with your money, right? Maximizing your value and the rest will work out. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, especially again, your, your unique POV here of both a business owner and then also a publisher. Yeah. Again, you've seen both sides of it. So operating lean, I think that's just really good advice. And it's, it's always easier to keep the weight off, right? Instead of trying to lose the weight. And that's to the point you just made. That's crazy. It's just like life, right? Like for me, yeah. me losing 10 pounds, right? It's like the hardest thing in the world. But for right. me, 10 pounds, holy cow. Right. It takes three trips to the kitchen. Apparently, I put on 10 pounds. It's not, not a problem. Exactly. So now you've, you've probably sparked the, the thoughts here of many publishers. So what is the easiest way for these publishers watching today to get access to you and InfoLinks? Sure. Very accessible. Um, you can go to our website and fill out a contact form and everything is triage. So everything that comes in, you know, it gets to me. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I haven't reached Brad Pitt status yet. Uh, not yet. So not inaccessible. You don't have to call my publicist. Um, but my wife, my wife still indulges me and says I'm close. So she's very kind. Right? <laughs> but, uh, but you can, it's easy to reach me, go through the website. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, message me via LinkedIn. Um, so I'm on Skype. So, you know, you can find me on Skype. So I'm very accessible and, and I love this industry. I love publishers. I love advertisers, um, being one of each of them along the way. Um, you know, I love, I love to chat. I love to know people and love to hear what they're up to and their ideas. And we talk, you know, all these types of things you and I just talked about. 
um, you know, we, 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 we shoot the shit basically. Right. And yes. Of course. Great. I love it. I love it. I enjoy it. And, um, you know, if, if there's something I can share with them that helps, uh, I think that's the best gift you can give people is just being helpful. Right. And, um, you know, every, there's, there's an old expression, right? There's nothing new under the sun. There really isn't right. There are solutions to almost everything in one form or another. And if uh, I can chat with people and offer them a tidbit of something or, and vice versa, then it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's unaccessible. That's excellent. Well, thank you, Bob. Everybody, thank you for stopping in to watch the Dinda Dialogue today. If you have questions, comments, anything you want to share, and maybe something you want to see on the next one, go ahead and leave a comment below. Thanks again, Bob, for joining the show. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it.